Welcome to the podcast. Glad you're joining me here today. I'm so excited to be starting these up again. I had in my spirit as I was reading just before a word uh, from the word of God that was burning in me and I couldn't wait until, uh, you know, a broadcast or something to share it. So I have a spontaneous podcast that I'm doing right now. It's not going to be long, but I titled it today, Push for More. Push for More. You should never get to a place in life where you settle with what you have. I'm not saying that you should be discontent with what you have. I'm saying that we should never settle with where we're at. There's always another level in God. I want to repeat that for you. There is always another level in God. You've never reached your full you know, the full frame of what God wants to do with you, that happens when you die, hopefully. Hopefully you're somebody that's striving to do everything God's called you to do and that you're not one of those people that the Bible says they've built in wood and hay and and, and straw and on the day when God tests our works, it all gets burnt up. I know that that's not going to be your case because God drew you to this broadcast specifically for this so that there can be a drive in you that says, I'm not going to stop. You know, the tendency is that you you develop a little bit of growth and then you 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 put the brakes on because you're content you have enough to live on i don't want to you know you were never created for survival mode you were never created for coasting mode you were created for perpetual increase and so the word of god makes that very clear there's many scriptures in the psalms that says may the lord increase you more and more both you and your children the bible is literally a manual that is designed to bring us increase it's a design it's a, a word that shows us who god is but then it shows us through the proverbs and other scriptures how we can practically take steps that will lead to amazing growth unprecedented growth and so i titled this today push for more when adam and eve were in the garden of eden they had unlimited mental capabilities they were they were adam by himself was able to name every single animal and then remember it afterwards i mean that's supernatural and there was no limits the limitations to what adam could do were broken off or he never had them. They were never broken off because they were never there in the first place. When Adam came, uh, when Adam sinned and sin entered into the world, the human race then got chained up and confined to the limitations of the flesh. When Jesus came and broke the curse of the law over our lives and destroyed sin and death and delivered us from the laws of sin and death, we entered back in to that realm where Adam was, which is a realm of unlimited possibility. So never think you've hit the, hit the limits. Never think you've reached it or you've obtained it or you finally have made it. No, you haven't. There's always another level in God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, Jesus said, Another parable Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches." Jesus tells a parable that when someone has an encounter with the kingdom of God and the kingdom, the word of the kingdom is sown in their heart, it starts off small, but it doesn't stay small. It indeed grows. God has designed you for growth. God, you know, fruitfulness is not an option for a child of God. Fruitfulness is not a suggestion. Fruitfulness is a command. The very first command that God gave Adam in the garden was be fruitful 
and multiply. Subdue the earth, replenish the earth, fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. So fruitfulness is not an option. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 13, I believe it is. He says that um, the parable of, of the vineyard, that there was a certain vineyard that a master had entrusted his vine dresser to, to keep and to tend. And in that vineyard, there was a fig tree that wasn't producing. And so the master, after a year or two, got fed up. And he said, look, for the last two years, I've come back and this tree is not producing anything. And the master is a symbol of God. It's a type of God, a, 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 a symbol of, 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 of God's mindset towards us. And he said, the, 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 the fig tree is not producing. And he said, cut it down. Why is it taking up so much space? The, vin, the vine dresser said, let it alone one more year. And if it indeed bears fruit, then great. If not, we'll cut it down. But you see, from that parable, you can like tell that, G, that God takes toll. He takes a tally of what you've produced year by year, and he evaluates us. I'm not saying, oh, this is works-based, that we're going to lose God's love unless we produce. No, you don't lose God's love. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace, but we are saved by grace to get to work. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship. Everybody loves to quote Hebrew, uh, Ephesians 2.8. Uh, by grace through faith are we saved. It is not part of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. I'm not saying you have to earn your salvation, but once you're genuinely saved, there should be something that rises up from within you that puts you to work. That same chapter in Ephesians 2, verse 8, you go to verse 10, and Paul goes on to say, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared before and that we should walk in. So God has something for you to do. There's a specific task for you to do. And when you start to do it, God has... There's an unlimited potential tied to that thing. So we're not going out figuring out what we want to do. We find out what God's designed us to do. When we do that thing, there's unlimited potential. Isaiah chapter 54. I want to read this from the New Living Translation. It blessed me when I did. Just read it a couple of minutes ago. It's going to help. It's going to really expand your knowledge on, on what I'm talking about. Isaiah 54 and verse 2. Listen to this. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home. Spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. And your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Isaiah here is prophesying by the word of the Lord, telling the people to not settle. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Don't just stay where you're at. Spread out your home. Spare no expense. In, in the New Testament, Paul tells Timothy, meditate upon what God's given you to do. Give yourself and throw yourself at the assignment that God has given you and your progress will become evident to all. Spare no expense. Verse 3 of Isaiah 54 says, you will soon be bursting at the seams. So you can know when you throw yourself at the assignment of God for your life, you will get to a point where you will expand and burst at the seams. God does not want you to run on empty. God wants you to burst at the seams. I said it before, life is not survival mode for the redeemed. Life is not coasting mode for the redeemed. Life should be, as Isaiah said, uh, uh, for the redeemed, a life of constant enlargement, constant building, constant spreading, constant bursting at the seams, constant moving forward. God is a forward-moving God. And when you join hands with him, you have only one place that you can go. 
When you're going the opposite direction, God will let go. You go in your own, your own, you go at your own pace, wherever you want to go. But if you'll join hands with God and go where he and follow the voice of the master, God's moving forward, you'll move forward. It's like when you get on an airplane. You get on an airplane, you got 275 different passengers on that airplane. That airplane goes up, all the passengers go up. When you join hands with God, he's moving forward and upward. Everyone that's joined with him moves in the same direction. Isaiah 51 and verse 1 and 2. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1 and 2. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who desire to do God's will, who seek the Lord. Look to the, to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. God's saying, look at where Abraham was when I found him. Just study his life, how little he was, how non-relevant he was, how small he was. But then consider the rock from which you are hewn. He's telling the Jewish people, consider your small beginnings and how far I've taken you as a people. Consider Abraham. When he started out, he had nothing. Genesis 12, he leaves his father's house with nothing. And by Genesis 13 too, he was rich in livestock, silver, and gold. And then you read in Genesis chapter 24 that someone was boasting about Abraham saying, my master Abraham has been blessed by the Lord in all things in divine health, in material possessions, he has increased in every measurable metric. And the Bible says, Isaiah is saying, you should look to Abraham. Because remember, in the New Testament, the Bible says, we brethren, as um, Abraham was blessed, so are we. Genesis, uh, Galatians chapter 3 says, as Abraham was blessed, so are we blessed with the same blessing. Galatians chapter 3 says, if you be Christ." You are Abraham's seed and heirs of the same promises God promised to Abraham. God didn't promise Abraham, hey, if you'll obey me, things will get tough and you'll, you know, you'll struggle your entire life, but in the end, it's going to be worth it. God said to Abraham, if you'll leave your father's house and depart from your relatives and your country and go to the land that I show you, indeed, in that land, as you obey me, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing to all. I'll curse those that curse you. I'll protect you. I'll be a wall of fire around you. And I'll bless those that bless you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Meaning generational blessing. Global, global impact through Abraham's life. And the Bible says, because you're connected to Abraham by faith and to the blessing of Abraham by faith. Remember Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law that we might receive the blessing of Abraham because we're connected to that. The same thing God spoke to Abraham, God speaks to you. Don't think of it, don't read Abraham's story and think of it as something, oh, that was Abraham. No, by virtue of the faith, we, the Bible says, because of faith, are blessed with believing Abraham. What God promised him to inherit, that's our portion in life. So God is interested in your profitability. He's interested in your increase. Decrease is never a reward for obedience in the entire Bible. Never will you see God say, if you'll obey me, you'll decrease. Every time God says, gave a commandment, he always tied increase to it. 
If you'll obey and serve me, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Deuteronomy 28, if you'll indeed hearken to my voice, I'll bless you in the city and I'll open up to you the good treasures, the heavens, and I'll pour out rain in its due season and I'll bless the work of your hand and anything you put your hand to will prosper. You look at Joseph, Joseph who was a man tied to the will of God, refused to compromise. And the Bible says in Genesis I believe it's chapter 39, that God was with Joseph and he made everything to prosper in his hand. So that even Potiphar, his, his master, saw that everything he was in charge charge of grew and he made him ruler over his own house. Potiphar saw the blessing of God on Joseph resulted in things growing around him. And so he strategically used him. He said, hey, if that's the case, put, I'm putting you in charge of my entire house so that my entire house would prosper. Look at Jacob. Jacob in late when he was um, working for Laban, when he was threatening to leave, Laban said, no, please don't leave for I've learned by experience that God has blessed me on your account, that everything's flourishing because of you being here. You have to have that mindset. I'm not cursed. I'm not unlucky. There is no such thing as unlucky. I'm blessed. And because I'm blessed, the Bible says God increases. The blessing of the Lord maketh a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. So decrease is never a reward for obedience. It's a consequence for disobedience. On the flip side, Increase is always tied to obedience and faithfulness to God. Psalm 115, 12 through 15. This is what the scripture says. Psalm 115, verses 12 through 15. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He'll bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give, pay special attention to this. May the Lord give you increase more and more, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. It doesn't say, may the Lord increase you, but not too much, lest you get haughty. Yes, there is the risk. You know, if you don't have your heart in check, it's risky to increase. You should first work on your heart and on your character so that you can handle the increase. But ask, don't just ask the Lord to increase you. In, in, in every, you know, in your business or whatever, to a point where you can't handle it. Ask the Lord that he would work on your heart so that you can handle it. Instead of saying, no, I don't want the increase, just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Instead say, Lord, work on my heart so I can handle the increase. So that when it happens, when I, when I, when I move into that, that high level that you have for me, that I'm like Deuteronomy 8.18. I don't forget that it was the Lord my God who gave me power to create all these things. Lest I forget, I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to remember. You know, that's what meekness is. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not staying at a low level. Meekness is rising high and still honoring God as the source, the origin, the origin of everything that you have and everything that you own. That's, I mean... If that were the case, David, David would have messed up hard because God prospered him big time. And yet he still named, he still called David the, heart, the man after my own heart in the New Testament. Acts chapter 7 says that. You look at Abraham. Abraham grew strong in every area. He was wealthy. He had much livestock and silver and gold. And yet in Genesis uh, 18, I believe it is, when the king of Sodom said, take the spoil of war, you know what Abraham did? 
He lifted up his hand to God Most High and he said, I've already taken an oath that I would not touch any of the spoil of this world lest you should say that you've made Abraham rich. His heart was not in riches. His heart was not poisoned by riches. His heart was not, he wasn't getting haughty. So that proves to you that you can, you can increase in life and still maintain humility, maintain sincerity, maintain a genuinity in your heart and a desire to continue to please God and use what God's given you to propel, to help others. That's what God told Abraham. I'm going to bless you, make you great so you can be a blessing to others. Jeremiah 30 and verse 19. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 19. Then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of those who make merry. And I will multiply them and they will not diminish. I will glorify them and they will not be small. So you might be in a small place right now. But if you complain about it, complaining is the number one enemy of progress. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, neither complain as some of them did and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Complaining it, all it does is release destruction on what you're trying to build. Complaining is like acid that corrodes the very foundations you're trying to lay and trying to build. Whereas if you do what Jeremiah said, the voice of thanksgiving and the voice of praise coming from them, that actually triggers God off to increase you and so that you don't diminish, to glorify you so that you're no longer small. So never despise the, small the days of small beginnings. Because though your beginnings might be small, your latter end will greatly increase. That's, now there's a balance. Don't be content staying at the same spot that you're at. Don't become complacent. Don't be uh, apathetic. Don't take your foot off the, the pedal. But at the same time, don't despise where you're at. Enjoy the process. I loved, I loved starting out this ministry. I loved it, even though I had no doors open and I, I, we had no money coming in and everything. I honestly, I look back, I never felt the pressure of it. You can ask my wife. We never felt the pressure. Sure, it sucked sometimes. You wanted to preach and you didn't have anywhere to preach. But at the same time, I never felt like, man, uh, I'm just going to give up. We're going to quit. This sucks. You know, I, I, I never felt the pressure. I, you know, someone else would have looked at my life and said, how is he even holding on? I, I didn't feel that. My wife and I had, we had the greatest time. Those, those couple of years where we were taking off, where we were starting out, and we had temptation to go and, you know, opportunities presented themselves that were not what God called us to do. We could have backed out. We didn't because we did not despise the small beginnings that we had because we knew though our beginnings are small, the kingdom of heaven is built on increase. First the blade, then the grain, then the full head in the grain, and then the harvest comes. So you, you don't get, you don't sow a seed and then get you start complaining that there's nothing there tomorrow morning. You sow the, a farmer sows a seed in like May and then only comes back to pluck it up, the fruit of the harvest, in August, in September, in October, depending on what they're growing. So you, you don't sow something and then the next day complain that nothing grew. No, you sow it and then you rejoice over it. And when you rejoice and you praise God, it actually releases the moisture of heaven to come and water that seed so it grows even quicker. So don't be complacent. Don't be complaining. Believe for more. And don't ever put limits on what God can do. Now unto him, the Bible says, who's able to do far more above and beyond than you can, that which you can ask or think according to his glorious power at work in you. You are not filled with the Holy Spirit's twin brother that's less than 
what was in Christ. You are filled with the same spirit, the same spirit that was in Christ. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper. That word another is uh, in, in the Hebrew means, or in the Greek, sorry, means the, the, another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. Jesus was saying another of the same kind of what's in me. It's the same spirit that's in me is going to come in you. And the same potential I have is the same potential you'll have. Now unto him was able to do far more abundantly all he can ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work in you. That's why Jesus said all things are possible to him that's, that believes. Don't be a pessimist. Don't be a negative Nancy. Be a visionary. Do like Abraham. His mind was so small. God said, you're going to have a child. You're going to be a, multi a father of a multitude of nations. He was in his tent when God spoke, and spoke that to him. And Abraham just didn't understand it. God told Abraham, get out of the tent. The tents, it's messing up with your thinking. As you look up and it's just a ceiling. Get out of the tent. Look to the stars. Can you count them? That's what I did. I called them all by name. Can you count them? No, neither can you. will you be able to count the descendants that come from you. God pulled Abraham out of the tent and showed him what God, what he had already done, what he had already accomplished in the heavens. He said, the same way I brought the stars forth, I'm going to bring the vision. Uh, I'm going to make the vision a reality for you. So four practical things I can leave you with today to push for more. Number one, find out what God specifically wired you to do. Don't just go out and do whatever. What has God wired you to do? What is your talent? What are you passionate about and do it number two find people who are doing well what you want to do so locate people i'm a preacher i locate other great preachers people that are shaking nations and continents i, I read their books i study their material i listen to their preaching though i don't I'm, you don't be followers of them who've explained the promises of god you follow them who have obtained the promises promises of god so be followers of them who the Bible says, he that walks with the wise will himself be wise. Find people that are wise in what you want to do, that don't know how to talk about it, but actually are doing it and hook up with them. Number three, start with whatever level you're at right now. Don't wait until you're at this huge level. David could have waited a long time and he would have never built up enough strength to actually beat Goliath. Instead, he was faithful. When he got anointed, he challenged the lion and won. Then he moved on to the bear and won. Then he moved on to Goliath and won. Start with where you're at. Start at the small level that you're at. Don't despise the days of small beginning. Don't be discouraged because it's not where others are 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the line. Start with where you're at and focus on. Don't compare. You can look to others that are doing more than you and glean from them, but no, don't ever compare with somebody that is 15 years down the line, five years down the line, six months down the line. Look, just focus. You know, they have that famous picture of Michael Phelps uh, winning the Olympic gold medal and he's swimming and he's like a couple of feet ahead of the his second place uh, um, opponent. And the second place opponent, his head is out of the water and he's looking at Michael Phelps. He's staring at him because he's ahead of him. Whereas Michael Phelps was just looking forward the entire time. So you see, people that come in second are always looking at everybody else, what they're doing, comparing envy, jealousy. Why did they get that? They're like the prodigal son's brother. Never focused on self. 
Whereas Michael Phelps and the winners of life, they're always focused on the finish line. Focus on the finish line. Start with where you're at. Start at the level of finances you're at with whatever you can do. For me, a couple of years back, I, I, I just started doing a broadcast uh, in 20, it was uh, 2019. And I, I didn't have money to buy these beautiful broadcasting equipment and all that. So I, I got this like $200 camera. I bought this thing to connect my camera to my computer and I started streaming. I did that. And we did that for a long time. And then the Lord increased us because we were obedient because God said, get on live. I didn't say, okay, when I have uh, the, the, the newest red cameras and I have the best audio equipment and I have, then I'll get, no, I, I started with what I had there. And as I did that, the Lord expanded us. Number four, call those things which be not as though they were. Use your words to create the future you desire. So those are four things that I would recommend you do from today to push for more. Find out what God specifically called you to do. Find people who are doing well what you want to do. Three, start at the level that you're at. And four, use your mouth to create the future that you desire. God, the Bible says, calls those things which be not as though they were. Your mouth is a production plant. Bible says in the book of Proverbs, as... Um, a man will eat well by the fruit of his mouth and by the produce of his lips, his stomach will be filled. So the produce of your lips, the, your lips are production uh, machines. They will produce what you say with your mouth is what you'll see with your eyes tomorrow. What you are today is a product of what you spoke yesterday. So learn to set up a better tomorrow. Learn to speak. Uh, learn to speak faith words today. Don't say things like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever have that. I don't know if I'll ever get that. Instead, speak the opposite. I'm going to do, do more than I've ever thought or imagined I could ever do because of God's... I can do all... Man, Paul, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to get it done. I'm going high. I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to be a blessing to my entire generation. I'm not settling for anything less than that which God has called me to do. Use your mouth. I'm moving forward. The Bible says that we forget those things which are behind and we press towards the goal to the high prize of the call of God in Christ Jesus. Use your mouth to create the, the future that you desire to have. Don't use your mouth to destroy your own destiny. Don't use your mouth and partner with the devil in doing so. That's what Peter did. Peter was telling Jesus, hey, far be it that you should ever go to the cross. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. G Peter wasn't demon-possessed. Peter lent his mouth to what the devil wanted. To destroy Jesus' destiny. That's why Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're speaking like Satan. Don't let your mouth partner up with the devil and his thoughts about you. Instead, use your mouth to speak what God says about you. Use your mouth to speak what God says about your future. Bible says the path of the just will shine brighter and brighter even unto the perfect day. No decline for me. I'm moving forward. I'm like a tree firmly planted by the riverbank. I yield fruit in every season. Whatever my hand touches prospers. I'm not going alone. I'm going with God. And because of that, the Bible says, let this book of the law never depart from your mouth. That means keep your confession in line with God's word. For then... You will be prosperous and you will have good success. That's Joshua 1.8. So those are four practical ways you can push for more from today. I hope this, uh, this podcast helped you. 
went 27 minutes. I wanted to do 15, but hey, what are you going to do? If you would share this on your social media, get the word out to more people, tag me in it. I'll repost it. I love you. Remember, we have broadcasts every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, have a great day.